From COK Studios in Mara Liason's library, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. On today's show, we'll be considering some of our favorite moments from 2019. We want to end the decade and the year on a high note, so here are some of the best bits we recorded this year. We hope you enjoy it. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from Gillette. Bold razors for men who aren't weak and thin-skinned and who are willing to try and be the best they can be. Gillette. Nope, these aren't for you, you whiny little toxic snowflakes. And Oreo. Try our new Just Stuffed Oreos. We finally dispensed with the cookies and now we're just giving people four-inch discs of frosting. Oreo. Come get some, chubs. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. Women are feeling increasingly out of place and underrepresented in the Republican Party. There are currently only 13 Republican women in the U.S. House, down 23 from last session. That compares to 89 for the Democrats. There are many who see President Trump as a problem in attracting female candidates and voters to the GOP. A recent poll found that 51% of suburban women said they found Trump's tone concerning. That group is key for Republicans if they hope to increase their pull with women. Whether Trump is the issue or just part of it, the Republicans have serious work to do to bring women into the fold of their party, especially ahead of what promises to be a contentious 2020 presidential race. Joining us here in the studio to discuss the Republicans' struggles with women are New York Representative Elise Stefanik and Indiana Representative Jerry Prescott. Glad to have you with us. Thank you. Oh, hey there, little lady. Congresswoman Stefanik, you are spearheading a new effort to address what you call a crisis with women in the Republican Party. That's correct. Women are voting Democrat, pure and simple, especially young women. And that's a big problem that we need to address if we want to have any chance. And how would you fix that problem? Well, we need to invest in more female candidates and we need to help them earlier, pre-primary if we have to. Women in the GOP face an uphill climb because we are trying to get them to vote against their own self-interests. The younger we can convince them that they don't deserve equal pay or that their body is really just a vessel to be controlled by men, the better. I see. That does sound like a challenge. Oh, it is. We need to figure out what went wrong and correct it so that women want to vote Republican again. Exactly. Women's brains are smaller and more erratic than a man's. So even though I agree that we need more women to keep the party going, we need to also make sure that there's always more men than women, just in case they all have their period or whatever. It's not easy to deal with all those emotions. Right, Elsie? Um, Elise, that's... That's not exactly what I'm saying, but thank you for trying to help, Jerry. I think that women need to be a focus of our party, not just an afterthought. But how can you do that when you say that women don't want to vote for you because it's against their self-interests? Well, if we want more women, we'll need to look outside the usual channels for our candidates. And what are those? We will need to recruit women who aren't college educated. Educated women overwhelmingly run and vote Democrat. Indeed we do. That is the ticket. Keep them out of the schools. Worst thing for them, if you ask me. I mean, women are much more at home in the kitchen or the laundry room or the little kitchenette at church. Did I say laundry room? You did. 
We are a party that supports economic opportunity, that supports freedom, that supports constitutional liberties. And I believe that resonates with the women voters in this country, especially the dumb ones who only watch Fox News and think that Ann Coulter is awesome. That Ann Coulter is like a sexy, angry skeleton. I'd hit that. So your only solution is to appeal to uneducated women who don't know any better. That and recruit the women from Fox News to run for office. President Ainsley Earhart sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Not bad at all. I wish you luck with your plans to get any women into the GOP. If these ideas don't work, Jerry knows a guy who can sell us some magic beans. Yeah, he got caught masturbating at work, and now he sells beans out of his van. But we can make a fortune for our campaigns with those magic beans. Sounds like as good an idea as any. Thanks for the time today. You're welcome. That was Representative Elise Stefanik and Representative Jerry Prescott. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we turn to the Academy Awards, which were held this past Sunday in Hollywood. Green Book won Best Picture, while Rami Malek and Olivia Colman took home awards for Best Actor and Best Actress, respectively. The ceremony was a little different this year without a host, and featured more music and a sped-up format. Joining us via Skype from his home in Beverly Hills to discuss the 2019 Oscars is stylist to the stars and designer, Peter Grigio. Glad to have you back on COK, Peter. Hi, Dinah. Okay, so what did you think of this year's Oscars? Well, if we're being honest, I didn't watch. It was it was such a crazy day. I had a massive post-Oscar party at my house, so I was getting ready for that. It's still going on, actually. People have been here for two days, and I don't have any idea when they'll be leaving. Right now, Ryan Gosling is playing Marco Polo in my pool with Olivia Coleman and Octavia Spencer, while Alfonso Cuaron makes us all tapas for lunch. Marco! Polo! Marco! Polo! Fish out of water! Get back in the pool, Olivia, you little cheetah! Wow, that sounds exhausting. I know! But it's been so much fun. It was, and still is, the most lavishly epic Oscar party ever. It made the Vanity Fair party look like a crappy five-year-old's birthday at a condemned Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, so before we get to your party, I have to say, I'm still shocked you didn't watch the Oscars. Nope. Nope, not a minute. Does that make me a bad person? No, but I figured you'd want to see the stars that you styled on the red carpet. Dinah, I style my clients like I use my Ronco, Showtime, Rotisserie, and Barbecue. I just set it and forget it. Oh, I see. Okay, so who did you style this year? You mean you couldn't tell? Uh, I... I'm just kidding. (laughs) I styled all the biggest names. Bette Midler, Bradley Cooper, Regina King, Mike Myers, but not Dana Carvey. All the characters from Pooh Corner, except Rabbit. He's such a bitch. I also did Julia Roberts, Emma Stone's estranged Aunt Maureen, and Jim from The Office's Wife. I picked out Spike Lee's weird little hat from the kids section at Sears, and Willem Dafoe finally let me file down his cheekbones right before the show. He's going to cut someone with those things. That's incredible. Oh, you don't have to tell me. So can we talk about my epic week-long Oscar party now? Take that, Elton John. Oh, please tell us. Oh my god, it was just... Just off the chain. And all the big names are still here. I just found Christian Bell and Sam Rockwell asleep in my bed. You'll never guess who the big spoon was. Rockwell. Ooh. Uh-huh. Anyway, we had an ice sculpture shaped like Freddie Mercury's teeth and all-you-can-eat corn on the cob station. And guess what we called it? Oh, I don't know. A star is corn. We also had a 
photo booth with wacky props, a chocolate fountain, and we had everyone do the hokey pokey at midnight. That's Sam Elliott really knows how to shake it all about. Oh, that sounds very entertaining. Right? <laughs> yeah. We also had a room for sexy adult entertainment that people could go and watch at their leisure. Adam Drive has been in there for 16 hours. Do you know what we called it? Oh, I have no idea. A star is porn! You like puns, don't you? Oh, you know what we called our special in-house barbershop for the party? <laughs> Let me guess. A star is Sean. I got a million of these. I guess you liked that movie a lot. You bet I did. Uh-oh. I've got to go. I guess Bradley Cooper's about to leave, and I... I just need one more look at him. Kisses! That was COK's Oscar wrap-up with celebrity stylist Peter Grigio. For Peter's tips on celebrity style, visit his website, astarisworn.com. Public radio listeners are probably familiar with The Moth Radio Hour. If you're not, The Moth is a show that presents stories told live and without notes. The Moth was founded in 1997 by novelist George Dawes Green, who wanted to recreate the feeling of sultry summer evenings in his native Georgia, when moths were attracted to the light on the porch where he and his friends would gather to tell spellbinding tales. The first New York Moth event was held in George's living room, and the story events quickly spread to larger venues throughout the city. Now the Peabody award-winning Moth Radio Hour is heard on over 480 radio stations worldwide. But now the Moth has some competition. The Sloth Radio Hour is a new show that is hoping to gain a following. We're um, trying to take what has been done with the moth and make it even better with Sloth. Gabby Dennison Green worked at the moth for five years as a producer and director, but found it not to be exactly she hoped. Yes, I, I found the stories that people told at moth performances were over too quickly and uh, they spoke far too fast. I, I wanted a much longer form storytelling outlet. Moth stories can sometimes be a half an hour long, though. Well, yeah, they can, but I think a truly compelling story must be at least um, two, two to three hours. That's what we've done with the sloth. Um, stories are, are much, 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 much much longer and the people who tell them are, are very deliberate about it what do you mean by that exactly they they speak incredibly slowly so as to make sure the listeners don't miss a single word our stories are also very different from the moth ours are much much yes much much more exciting mundane i'm tired of all the interesting things the people on the moth are always talking about plus the uh, mundane is so much more exciting than the exciting don't you agree not really gabby and her team at the sloth have made good on their promise to be longer slower and much 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 more boring than her old friends at the Moth. Here's a clip from a recent five-hour story entitled Zipper. The zipper was caught on a small piece of the fabric from the lining of the jacket. It simply refused 
to budge even a millimeter. It was as if the fabric was clinging for dear life to the plastic teeth of the zipper. But why? Why was it scared to go down and let me take the jacket off? Was it trying to shield me from a threat I knew nothing about? I tugged and tugged, growing more confined in my jacket by the moment. Beads of sweat forming at my temples, my underarms beginning to generate more and more moisture. Would this troublesome zipper be my end? Confined for all eternity inside this REI anorak, a deathly cocoon of water-wicking material. Jennifer said, Try pulling it up instead! I tried. It was stuck that way, too. <sighs> Isn't that just amazingly long and slow storytelling? That's one of our best ones. We have a similar one about um, shoelaces. It was very sloth-like, I must say. Neil is a riveting storyteller. Wait a minute. Was that our filmmaker friend, Neil Thanatier? Oh, oh, yeah, indeed. Have you seen his new uh, six-part documentary on the history of cardboard? It is the most exquisitely boring thing I've ever seen. We're already working to adapt it for a sloth story. Well, I'm sure that'll be very compelling radio. (laughs) You don't have to tell me. The Sloth Radio Hour launched in January and has already produced 250 hours of content, which works out to be about nine stories. You can download their shows on sloth.org or at iTunes, but be warned, the download speeds are a little slow. For COK News, I'm Connor Bentley. This is Consider Our Knowledge, I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Cordell Nutbrock. Last week saw a major increase in the pressure on President Donald Trump after evidence surfaced that he asked a foreign power to assist him with information on a potential presidential rival. The rapidly unfolding Ukraine scandal has kicked impeachment investigations into high gear, with Democratic leaders in Congress saying it will take just a number of weeks to consolidate findings from multiple House committees. Congressional Republicans, meanwhile, have dismissed the idea that President Trump's July 25th phone call with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky involved anything improper or illegal. On the call, Trump urged Zelensky to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden. The House Intelligence Committee, one of several House committees handling the impeachment inquiry, could start hearings as early as this coming week. Its work will focus on the allegations detailed in the whistleblower report concerning the July phone call and conversations between Trump and his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, who has met with Ukrainian officials in connection with the president's request to investigate the Biden family. Giuliani has denied any wrongdoing, but... Come on! Joining us here in the studio to discuss the implications of the impeachment inquiry on the 2020 election are COK's special Consider the Vote analysts, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, and Democratic strategist James Carville. Welcome back. I really just couldn't be any happier to be here. I'm just doing this for my community service, so can we move this along? 
I have an appointment to get my head buffed and polished in 20 minutes. Uh, Secretary Clinton, what was your reaction to the announcement that the House would be pursuing the impeachment inquiry? Oh, unbridled joy. Wait, no, 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 wait. Euphoria. No? I'll say complete and utter delight. I literally haven't stopped smiling since Nancy Pelosi's press conference. My face hurts so bad, but I don't even care. That sunburnt testicle is finally going to get what he deserves. Well, I can understand why you feel that way. Mr. Carville, what about you? Well, I can't say I'm surprised because you know Trump was going to step in the old pig slop sooner or later. But I'm not sure that everyone should be so happy, though. Even though this looks bad for Trump, it could come back to bite Democrats come election time. But how so? Yeah, James. Can't you just let me enjoy this? Don't be such a buzzkill. You're not the only one to share that sentiment. Would you mind elaborating? Uh, certainly. Buzzkill. Oh, give it a rest, Hillary. If y'all don't mind, I'm going to give my answer in a series of charming yet confusing Southern colloquialisms. All right. Trump may seem like he's as confused as a fart in a fan factory, but he's shrewd and he'll lie like a no-legged dog to keep his base loyal to him ahead of 2020. Don't underestimate his ability to spin this whole Ukraine thing. He's slickering owl shit. So is that Yankee Giuliani. You know, Yankees are like hemorrhoids. Pain in the butt when they come down and always a relief when they go back up. What do you think this will mean for the Democratic candidates? Well, they'll have to be careful because the Senate probably won't impeach Trump and they'll have to deal with an angry Trump who feels vindicated. Trust me, I'd be grinning like a possum eating a sweet tater if they impeach him because that president is so dumb he couldn't pour piss out of a boot with the instructions written on the heel. All right, James, that's enough. Hillary, you're so stuck up, you drown in a rainstorm. Whatever that means, you Cajun hack. Since this impeachment inquiry is centered around a call about Joe Biden, how does this affect him? Can we have possibly found a way to get rid of Trump and Joe Biden? Oh, I hope so. It's like my birthday and Christmas at the same time. I'd be very pleased to never have to see those giant white veneers ever again. It's high time we had a woman in the White House. As I've said many times, Elizabeth, Kamala, Amy, I'm available if you need any help with your campaigns. Hillary, if you can't run with the big dog, stay under the porch. Take your own advice, James. I'm sure there will be much more of this to discuss in the coming weeks and months. Remember, we still have more than a year until the election. Oh my god, I gotta do this for a whole year. <laughs> Quite. I still can't stop smiling. For Consider the Vote 2020, that was Hillary Clinton and James Carville. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we turn to the environment. 16-year-old Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg only needed five minutes last week to make her point to the adults in the room at the United Nations Climate Action Summit in New York. During her speech, Thunberg begged world leaders to recognize the way climate change will hurt future generations. I was fortunate enough to have Ms. Thunberg join me in the COK studio for an exclusive interview last week. Here is that interview. Greta Thunberg, welcome to Consider Our Knowledge. Thank you. 
Now, most 16-year-olds are worrying about prom dresses and tests, but you're tackling climate change. Why? People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. That is why. If the adults would do something, I could just focus on my studies, but they do not. I see. What would you like to see done? I should be back in school, on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you! You adults have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Well, not me specifically, but but I get what you're saying. Do you? I see many giant gas-powered cars and trucks in your parking lot. Do you not cycle to work? And get all sweaty? Gross. And I see many lights on in offices with nobody in them. Yeah... Do you care? Do you? A polar bear just died because you left the light on in the bathroom. Really? I had no idea. I know. That is apparent to me. There is food waste in your recycling bin, and cans and plastic bottles in your garbage can. Why is this? Yeah, sometimes we forget. The blue bin is the recycling, right? This is appalling. Do you use solar power? No, this is a coal-powered podcast, unfortunately. But it's clean coal, There's so There's no such thing! Where is your glass recycling? Oh, you have to haul it yourself down to the church parking lot down the block. So we just stopped. We just didn't have time. You say you hear us, and that you understand the urgency. But no matter how sad and angry I am, you do not do the simple things to help our planet. Well, it's not just me. Dinah and Trevin are the ones who said it was a hassle to recycle the glass, and Cordell's the one who leaves all the lights on. I at least put all my plastic bags in the recycle bin. You cannot recycle plastic bags! You and your show sicken me. I pity your ignorance. I must return to my solar-powered boat. Wait, you really can't recycle plastic bags? Says who? Mother Earth. Oh. That was my interview with teen climate activist Greta Thunberg, who is making all of us look like the horrible people we are. That's all for this special Best of 2019 episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit considerourknowledge.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ConsiderOurKnow. We've got some exciting things coming up for COK in 2020, so we look forward to seeing you then. And we hope you have a safe and happy new year. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. Thank you, Baby Yoda, for your time. We're so glad. (laughs) So glad. <laughs> and you gotta say it. Don't say it dismissively. You are excited. You love oh, movie. Okay. Yoda. All right. Yeah. You do. I do. Everybody does. <laughs> I really, truly do. I would, I would risk it all. I would, <laughs> I would die for that deaf baby Yoda. <laughs> I owe my life to that, that deaf, deaf baby Yoda. <laughs>